And while guys are still uh, sort of chatting and coming in, I'll just share a few things. Um, that's just been so exciting about the fact that there's just room for um, everyone at, uh, at Hope Church. It's exciting to see what God is uh, doing. I, I, I was talking to friends of mine, I won't single them out, but saying, no, no, we're, we're going to delay going to the tiger fishing tournament because we want to be at church. So we're driving out after church, but actually we're not missing it. Um, so we're going to be at church and drive out later when everyone else is going. So encouraging. I saw in the, in the ties last week, um, someone uh, posted um, just, uh, they had written sort of tithes and all neatly written out $5 um, tithe there. And I thought, you know, um, it, it reminded me again, I've shared before, of the widow's offering of just, it doesn't matter how big or small, God uses everything that we give. Ah, oh, guys, yes, make your way. You're the chosen ones down the aisle. We were talking about the Red Sea, so you're welcome. There's lots of space here. Um, don't be shy. Sure, no, brilliant to have you. <laughs> And Harry should have been at the front row as well, but um, he hid from me, but it's fine. We'll let you off this once. Brilliant. So yes, feel free. Matt and all, you don't have to be scared. You're welcome to come anywhere here. Or this patch over here, also next to um, the Wilcox clan um, over there. You're welcome to come in. Um, uh, Anita somewhere here, Anita Memory, I think, over there, um, who also just said, oh, we just want to be here. We want to come. Paul Elliott who is um, uh, dealing with going through different cancer treatments and stuff. He's like, no, I'm on the serving team and I want to be here. And he's, I was actually trying to tell him to slow down this morning because he was loading up things and he was carrying things. And I just thought, wow, Lord, this is incredible seeing um, the amount of um, serving that people are doing. Amazing words in the prayer meeting. Uh, kids' church, there's people serving for the first time today. So I just want to say that whatever you feel, however small it is you feel you might have to offer. Maybe you're even still exploring faith here today and you're going, I just got invited by friends. I don't even know where I stand with God yet. There's still room to serve. There's just opportunity to be part of God's family. So you're so welcome. Um, and we're passionate. Um, Roxy, you're doing notices for the first time. You see, brilliant. So there's just, there's just room all around to get stuck in. Um, and we really are about, we've shared this often, but we're about helping people explore faith. So if you're here and you're exploring faith, you're checking it out, that's amazing. You're so welcome here. We're here to help ourselves find hope in the only one we believe who really matters, which is Jesus, the one true hope. Uh, and then to follow him wholeheartedly, to give our lives for him, to not stay stagnant where we are. There's many in our city who don't yet know Jesus. And I pray each day that God would use us in some small way, some part of his kingdom, advance as Hope Church to see many come to faith. And so you're just so welcome. And we're, we're, we're thrilled to see that happening. Uh, a life group two weeks ago, uh, somebody said, actually, I don't think I know God and went home later and gave their life to the Lord. In our services, we've seen that happening over the last three, uh, few weeks. It's so exciting. God's on the move and uh, he wants to see many disciples made in the city and we want to be a part of that. And so, yeah, there's just lots happening. You would have seen those um, beautifully printed design things. Thanks for uh, Roxy making that happen about things happening uh, for the rest of the year. So we've got baptisms in two weeks' time. I'll share on that a bit more. We've got a quiz night happening. We've got Christmas uh, evening events. We've got so much on the go. We've got new preaching teams happening. So you're going to see things happening in uh, the coming weeks called Seven Sundays. Three people are going to preach for seven minutes each. Um, and uh, it's going to be so exciting. We see people saying, putting their hands up saying, I'm pretty scared, but I, I'd love to give it a go preaching. So we're thrilled to see those things happening. People saying, hey, we want to go on the process to uh, eldership process and explore that uh, church leadership. So, so God's doing things and it's just great doing it together as family. So please feel at home amongst us. So today we are Colossians part five. And uh, to kick it off, Sarah and I went on a holiday to the east. Uh, so we did Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia. Um, 
a number of years ago, and everyone actually said to us, Ish, guys, um, you must be going on a mission trip. Uh, what churches are you going to? We were like, no, we're just going on holiday. Um, so we didn't feel as spiritual as we should have. Anyway, we loved going on this trip to the east. We would highly recommend it. We, we, we absolutely loved it. But uh, as we came back from our trip, as we walked in the door of our cottage, um, there was a smell that greeted us um, that wasn't the most pleasant smell. And what we realized is we had left a beautiful watermelon on our kitchen counter for three and a half weeks. And, uh, and, and so it had sort of molded itself to the counter and then down the edge of the counter and onto the floor, just this melted, blackened, moldy uh, watermelon that greeted us in that. Now fast track a few years later, we opened the kitchen tap and uh, the hot tap just really was reeking. I mean, properly stinking of something dead. And I was just like, what's happened? Has something crawled up there? Surely it's not looked under and everything else. It turns out a friendly little gecko had decided to take a swim in the geyser. And uh, it didn't go well for him. And we obviously had a notice for a while until he disintegrated into many little bits inside the small geyser. And over time, obviously, this deadened body of this poor gecko um, built up a beautiful smell that then went through all our pipes. I couldn't get rid of that smell for weeks. I cleaned it out. I put an antiseptic. It was there for weeks and weeks. Now, why do I share these two stories? Well, it's because today what we're going to look at is that something very small, a little bit of bacteria on the outer casing of a watermelon or a tiny little gecko in the scheme of all of a water supply, if unchecked, can have dramatic negative impacts in our lives. Small things, the tiniest things, one bacteria can ruin something that could have been beautiful, that could have been amazing, great hot water, amazing watermelon to eat if it goes unchecked. And that's what we, in Colossians, those of you visiting for the first time, we've been going through the book of Colossians. And in Colossians right now, Paul gets to a key part of why he wrote to this new church in Colossae, in Asia Minor, where he was saying, you need to be aware of bacteria in the church, of dead geckos in the church that could derail everything that God wants to do. So the three points we'll look at today is building our lives on the right foundation, being aware of dangerous and unhealthy teaching, and knowing that nothing can disqualify you or I from life in Christ, no matter what our past is, no matter what we're doing in the present, nothing can disqualify us from Christ. That's better. Sorry, Josh. I'll, I'll, I'll do better at holding this in front of me. So we're going to jump around through different passages, but if you are, um, have your Bibles with you, I'd love you to turn to Colossians 2. Uh, it's going to be on the screen, but if you have, uh, I'd love you to do that. If you don't have a Bible and you need one and you can't afford one, get one at the back. If you don't have one and you want to buy one, there's great ones at the back. But we are in uh, Colossians chapter 2. So we'll head across there um, at the end of 1 and 2. But first point that we'll look at is building our lives on the right foundation. And uh, Harare is full of new houses being built all the time. There's some, no doubt, if some of you are in construction here, that are built strongly and well. There's many others I, I got asked to be part of a petition about some different flays that are getting uh, built on. And uh, obviously, firstly, it's probably the wrong place to be building. Both flays, you know, we don't want to destroy them, but also just hard to build on. Bad foundation. So Harare is dotted. I mean, Harare Drive is a classic example, right, of these beautiful houses on the outside, um, probably held together by bits of wood on the inside. But there's flashy windows and reflective glass, you know, paint where anyone can see, and obviously a balcony that faces the main road. 
um, because that's most important. You want to look out over traffic and you want people to see you driving. But we, we're full of houses like that, but they're probably going to fall down in about five to ten years because they're not built on what matters most. And so Paul's greatest desire in the first part that we look at is for the Colossian churches, they would see Jesus in his rightful place in their lives. In the last few weeks, you can look back on YouTube or on podcast, that's what we have been diving into. That if we build on him as the foundation, we will ensure that the fruit of our lives, the watermelon as it were, the pure water as it were, will remain pure, will remain strong now and for the rest of our lives if we build on the right foundation. So Colossians 1 verse 29, I think if you go back, you might see it um, there. Was there, yeah, this is Paul's writing and we, we kick it in today's, this is what he says. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul, he's writing from prison, he's gone through horrific beatings. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, for me, writing to you, the Colossian church, my foundation, what I toil for, what I go after, what I want to see in God's kingdom advance, I'm struggling to do this and live this life, but actually, I'm not struggling at all in my own strength. I'm relying on he who powerfully works within me. And so the first step to you and I building our lives on what matters most is realizing that we will never do it in our own strength. In fact, the harder that we try to get closer to God, and we try, and we, great, for this week, I'm going to not do what I did there that I didn't want to do before. I'm not going to watch what I shouldn't watch. I'm going to read my Bible and do better. I'm going to listen to God more. The, the more that we try in our own strength, the more that you and I are going to fail. The more we realize, like Paul, that actually we just have to ask. We just have to say, Holy Spirit, I can't live this life on my own. I actually just need you. The more that he fills us and he gives us the ability to do it. It's not always easier following Jesus, but there's a supernatural toil that takes place by the help of God's Spirit working within us. As a writer, we've got a number of his books um, called Max Lucado. And uh, last week, he was speaking at a conference. He's getting into grandpa eras now. So I think he's in his 70s. I could be wrong. Someone had posted a picture of him. He was at a conference. And uh, he has all the money in the world. He's written bestseller. I think he's actually America's bestselling author by a long way. Um, and uh, has led a church for a long time, a great family, and he's finished the preaching at this conference as this sort of um, late 60s or 70-year-old man, and people had come forward for prayer. This person takes a picture of him and says, uh, and took this picture and said, he prayed for every single person who wanted prayer and prayed for them individually until the end of the queue was there. And there was just hundreds of people there, so it took him hours and hours to pray. But this person who effectively should be sitting back saying, hey, guys, listen, I've, I've been running my race. Someone else get on and do this. I want to go home to my hotel now. I've spoken for the time. I was like, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to serve. I'm going to care for people. And that was Paul. Paul had every right to sort of kick back and relax. But he had humility. And he was saying, actually, with God working in me, I want to serve and I want to toil for God. And so actually the, the sign of God working in our lives is the more that we're willing to humble ourselves and do the tasks that no one else wants to do. It's actually the indicator. Some of the camps that I used to lead for, for eight to 10 years, some of the most senior leaders would be in charge of changing the toilet paper and cleaning out the toilets. And we would actually ask some of them to do it. And sometimes us as leaders would do it. Why? Because we wanted to emulate for younger leaders that actually greatness in God's eyes is seen in getting lowest. So we did those sorts of things, a great challenge for each of us. So that's one of the ways, rely on God's, um, on God's spirit. Uh, next uh, passage, uh, 2 verse 1. 
I'll read this. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face. This was the age before, you know, cell phones and video feed. He hadn't even seen this church that he's writing a letter to yet. Their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of his full assurance of understanding, the knowledge of God's mystery. This is Paul. For those of you visiting for the first time, he didn't like full stops. He just loved commas occasionally and just long sentences. So uh, he was the hyper academic, which is why people fell asleep and, and fell out of windows and died when he preached. Um, he raised him to life again. So that was the bonus. Uh, the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Once we begin to operate in the love of Christ, once we receive his love and we operate in the love of Christ, it changes everything. And as a church family, that's what I hope you experience here. If you're visiting for the first time, I hope that you feel welcomed. If you're here and you've joined a connect group or you're serving, I hope you feel part of a family, you feel loved. Because love is a decision, not a feeling. You should know this if you're in a marriage relationship. You don't always feel loving towards someone, but what do you do? You act on it and feelings come later. But in our society, we're taught it's the other way around. You know, l live by your feelings, not by your commitment. Jesus says the other way around. When he came to the cross, he operated by commitment. Feelings weren't necessarily there when he was in pain on the cross for you and I, but he loved us. Then out of that came the joy that was set before him. And so for each of us, we operate love out of a decision. Feelings come later. And as we do that, we experience encouragement that he says there. We experience the assurance that we're following Jesus. We, 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 we know that we're sons and daughters of the living God as we love other people. And then we receive wisdom to live life the right way. So that's building right. That's what I hope that you feel and that you hear being part of this. Next little bit, uh, verse 6. I'll jump a bit further down. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We receive Jesus, for those of you who are exploring faith, we receive him as a gift. You know, every other faith in the world could be summed up as do. Do this, do the right thing, go to prayers at a certain time, understand this level of scripture, dress this certain way, go to a certain place once a year. Um, and, and, and recite certain things over and over again, say specific prayers. It's about doing, and then maybe God will accept you one day. As Christ follows, we believe that we just receive what Jesus has done already, and then he empowers us to live the life he's called us to. It's the other way around. So we receive Jesus as a gift. That's a strong foundation. Then we make a decision to walk in his footsteps. And as we do that, we sink our roots deep down. And as a result... We develop watermelons, as it were, or pure water sources that we couldn't otherwise. Strong foundations, healthy watermelons. So keep listening to his word. Stay grateful. It says they're abounding in thanksgiving. There's a passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says if you want to know the, God's will, effectively, this is my paraphrase, get great at being thankful. We're trying to instill this in our girls at a young age. For those of us sitting in this room in the northern suburbs of Harare, we're probably the top 5% in the world. But it's easy, particularly, both as adults, we can become ungrateful. But we can especially, unfortunately, help our children to become ungrateful. Where there's an expectation that life should be at this level, where actually they're already living in the top 95%. And so, um, we, we need to get grateful. Why? Because gratefulness unlocks God's work in your life. If you're sitting here going, it just doesn't feel like God's doing much in my life at the moment. I just don't feel I can get close to Him. Start thanking him for what he's done already in your life. 
I can guarantee you he'll start to open up amazing doors. He works through gratitude. He loves gratitude in the big and in the small aspects of life. And so this last week we were talking about it with our girls because we entered this rather fun competition to win H-Town ice cream, which we won because obviously I prayed harder than everyone else. And so it was amazing. Uh, God came through for us. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, but uh, I wish it did. Anyway, it was a great opportunity to say to the girls, to say out of everyone, many other people could have won this. And in many ways, it's just a tub of ice cream. Doesn't really matter that much, but it does. It's huge. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us this tub of ice cream. Who can we share it with? So if you haven't been invited yet to our house to share one liter tub of ice cream, you're not our friends. Um, I'm not inviting anyone. I'm going to have it while I'm talking to Jesus. Um, so there we go. No one's invited. But what a treat. And we were trying to instill in our kids that this is a small thing, but man, what a thing to be grateful for. What an amazing thing that God just overflowed towards us as a family, a tub of ice cream. We're celebrating it. So let's get good at grateful. It's a foundation to build your life and mine on. That's the first point. Second one. And it was a big part of this letter that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. A big part was to be aware of dangerous or unhealthy teaching bacteria that could start to erode their lives, that could start to damage their lives. It was a key reason he wrote. The person who had planted the church, who had come and met him and come to faith and had planted the church, had now fed back to him to talk about some of the issues that they were facing in the church. It started to infiltrate them that wasn't in line with scripture. This bacteria, this dead gecko, Paul realized, which we realize, and as church leadership, but individually, if we don't deal with things that aren't correct, they're going to have a huge issue later on. And this is what he says, some of the things. Verse 4, we'll jump back a bit. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 4. I say this, he's been sharing about how they should live, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of faith in Christ. So he was saying, I'm seeing this in your life and I'm seeing you living sold out for Jesus, but also there's people who are coming with plausible arguments that are dangerous. Now, what's he talking about there? I think he's talking about in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, he wrote a letter again to a young man who is leading a church. And this is what he said to Timothy. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You see, all of us are vulnerable to wanting to hear certain things that in some ways help us to just live the life that we want to live. And so if we can find teaching or find arguments around, that mean we don't need to deal with sin in our lives. We can just live effectively on our own and have Jesus as a genie on the side. We'll find that kind of teaching because it will help us in that belief set that isn't really God's. And so these teachers that he's talking about, they would sound really wise, but they weren't biblical at all. They had plausible arguments. They made sense. They were academic. Made sense to everyone around, but it wasn't biblical. This can happen all the time. Wow, that person knows Greek. They know Hebrew. Look at their following. They've got millions of people following them. Look at the size of the church building. They speak so eloquently. Their examples are incredible. We can easily use human perspective to determine whether we take what someone says as truth or not without digging deeper. We need to be aware of this as people. We need to be careful. And today we have access, which they didn't in the Colossian church, and even if we backtrack 15, 20 years ago, we have access to almost on demand on our screens, anyone who has money or the resources to get their message out there, we can receive it. 
But just because it says church on the bottom or just because the person calls himself a pastor, it doesn't mean it's biblical. But it's in our faces all the time. It didn't used to be in our faces, so we need to be aware of this. God's word needs to be properly interpreted, but in this internet age, it may not happen or we might not see it the same. We've got access to everything, but not everything that comes out of a church is healthy. So even if something seems logical in your ears, even if it tickles your ears and you listen to it and you go, oh my goodness, that is astounding. That's amazing teaching. Just check it out a bit further. Check out what we say up here on stage. More people are going to be coming through preaching. Test it out. Does that line up with scripture? Is what Craig's saying biblical? Is it not? Ask. We're open to that. Why? Because we need to make sure that everything we say lines up with scripture. This is my general rule when I come to, to this. And it's not necessarily a right rule, but it's my general one that I look to when I think of what Paul's saying to the church. If the teaching is focused primarily on what everybody in society who is not a Christ follower is after, it's probably not biblical. I'll say that again. If the teaching that you're listening to or the teaching that you're hearing is focused primarily on giving you what everyone in society who isn't a Christ follower is after anyway, it's probably not biblical. Why? Because Jesus was countercultural. Jesus' followers were countercultural. The lives that they led looked nothing like the lives of society at large. And so that raises flags in your minds. It's a general rule to look out for. Jesus and his word will always go against the grain of culture. And so if the life promised by the preaching, and I think that's what was happening in these plausible arguments, looked um, was, was looking similar to everyone else around, similar to other faiths, similar to other beliefs, similar to other cultures, there is a problem. And so if teaching is primarily about earthly success, earthly wealth, guaranteed healing, strange demonstrations of power, it's likely not biblical. Why? Because we don't see that in Jesus and his followers. So why would we see it in scripture today? If it says things in the Bible are outdated or they don't apply today, like biblical marriage between a man and a woman, between sexuality, Questions should be raised. Why? Because scripture teaches something different. But be aware that these teachings can be very subtle. So most of the time, and I think this was happening in the Colossian church, 95% was biblical. But the 5% bacteria, the 5% gecko in the long run could corrupt all the 95% good. It's the 5% that's not biblical that can destroy lives and churches. And as Hope Church, we're sold out to preach and speak the truth. It's 100% Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Not Jesus plus money equals everything, or Jesus plus comfort equals everything, or Jesus plus no tragedy equals everything, or Jesus plus healing equals everything, or Jesus plus success equals everything. No, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He is enough. He will always be enough. What we see in scripture of who he is, is enough for you and I. It's him and it's him full stop. So the Holy Spirit will give you discernment. Keep asking him. Because we need his discernment. The enemy didn't make everything clear in the Garden of Eden. He was sneaky. He came to Eve in the Garden and he asked in roundabout ways. He twisted God's words to say them in a different way. When Jesus was taken into the wilderness and was tempted by the enemy, he used scripture, but in its wrong format, to try and challenge Jesus to live the wrong way. So the enemy will use scripture. The enemy will use the Bible. He knows the Bible better than you and I. Satan is real. He knows the Bible you and I. So he will try and challenge our minds. He'll try and trick our minds. We need to be aware of that. He prowls around. But it's why we love the local church. 
why we love meeting together face-to-face like this. It's why we love connect groups in the week with people we don't necessarily know and, and spending time together face-to-face because iron sharpens iron. It's too safe and it's, and it's impossible to say, I do church from my living room watching a screen. That's not church. That might be entertainment. It might be learning. There's great people to watch on the screen. It's why we subscribe to Right Now Media and you can sign up for free and there's amazing Bible studies and resources. But that's not church. That's a tool or a resource. But church is people together challenging each other, something essential for us to look at. Look at what he says here, verse eight to nine, then we've got the last point. It says here, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You've been filled in him, your Christ follows, who is the head of all rule and authority. So he's spoken about being aware of dangerous teaching, of plausible arguments. Now he says be aware of philosophy. And philosophy in itself isn't a bad thing. Philosophy is talking about reason. It's talking about reality. It's talking about the things of our mind and knowledge. not a bad thing. The arguments here he's talking about is people using that, using reason to point people away from God into empty deceit, purposefully misleading people away from Jesus. And we see this in atheistic arguments. We see this in people trying to argue people away from faith in Christ, rather opening them to explore it. That's much of media stations today. If you watch BBC, if you watch ABC, if you watch CNN, if you watch any of those, you will see an anti-God agenda permanently driven. Anything that's anti-God is praised. Anything that is godly is negated. Watch it. Look and see. And you'll see that in all those sorts of news stations. Why? Because there's an ungodly agenda that's being driven, which we need to think about. We need to be aware of. Interesting here, the word captive. It says there, no one takes you captive by philosophy. The word syllagogeo was commonly used to, you see, I'm using Greek, so you have to listen to everything that I say. Uh, Not at all. Was commonly used to explain when almost pirates came and plundered a cargo ship. So the word is used to describe someone coming in, attacking a ship, plundering it, and leaving it without its supplies. And so the idea is someone coming into your circle, into your mind, into your thought process, and plundering that which is good in your life, taking it away, robbing it of you, so that you can't get to the destination that you're supposed to get to. So we don't take these things lightly. Um, it can shipwreck people's faith. There's, in fact, actually some great books afterwards, and we might um, send out a blog as well on the, on the WhatsApp list about reading the Bible for all it's worth, about properly interpreting it. Uh, it's so important for us. Whether you're exploring faith or not, it's important for us to know. A few more. He talks about elemental spirits, elemental spirits of the world. And Paul here is likely referring to evil spirits. And we might say this is more of an issue in rural parts of this country and beyond. I don't think it is. I think that we cover up the work of evil spirits in our lives with things like medication. We, we pass it away as disorders in people's lives. It's really interesting when you read scripture that you see a lot of what we count as disorders now with things that Jesus actually cast out as demonic in scripture. It's the world in which we live because we don't want to admit that there's spiritual things at play in our lives. So we rather just treat, I'm not saying medication's bad, medication's great, it can be really healthy for us, but we need to be aware of these things. But there is a fascination in the spiritual on Zimvine. How many people here are on Zimvine? A few. I'm on Zimvine. Don't be shy. Oh, shame. The rest of you guys just aren't able to get in, eh? It's reached us max. Sorry, I won't give up my place for you guys. Anyway, um, 
so Zimvine people just obviously ask questions about everything. I was shocked. Someone wrote and said, I'm needing help to cleanse my house. Um, does anyone know any spirit mediums or witches or whatever else around to help me in this process? There was hundreds of comments. Contact this lady, contact this man. This person is Bulaway is, is amazing. They helped me and my house sorted out. This person is brilliant. If you have any issues in your mind, this person will help you with these crystals. Hundreds of comments in Harare of people, well-to-do people, northern suburbs people commenting saying this person helps, this person helps. Terrifying. Don't entertain anything spiritual other than Jesus. It's a bacteria and it's death that's leading you to disaster. Nothing that comes from the enemy will ever bring good in your life. And be aware of this. It creeps in in so many different ways, but it's demonic. It's of the enemy. They'll lead you down a dangerous path. And so if you need prayer in any of these areas, maybe you've got yourself into it. Maybe it's different games you've played or people that you sought counsel from or even mediums and stuff. Honestly, come and get prayer that we cover you in the blood of Jesus. And we just say, Lord Jesus, may you cast out anything that's entered that's not of you. And would you replace what's of you? Don't mess in those sorts of areas. Speaking to the dead. The dead's presence is here with me. I can sense the presence. Not of Jesus. Absolutely not of Jesus. Impossible in Jesus. So these are things I want you to be aware of. They're dangerous places to be. But in society, they're praised. In society, they're honored. In society, they're looked to. But it's opposite to Scripture. The last thing to be aware of, and then the, we'll, we'll close off with a uh, with sort of a prayer thing. Asceticism, asceticism, and religious tradition. These other things we need to be aware of. False teaching. Verse 16, Therefore, let no one pass judgment of you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism or worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by the sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, which is Jesus, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows um, with the growth from God. Asceticism was the severe form of discipline, usually in the aim of getting closer to God. And some guys were crazy. I could be quoting wrong, but I think Jerome, maybe, that's one of the houses here. It's one of those guys. He was so passionate about purity that when he got himself a little bit sexually excited, he would run and dive on thorn bushes to take away any excitement that he had. Now, maybe some of us need to do that. And I think it's Jerome. Just correct me if I'm wrong. It may or may not be wrong. Mr. Barber, do you think this is right or wrong? I don't, I don't know. I will search and I will tell you next week. So, it's actually because I was Gregory and I don't like Jerome as a school here, at a house here, so that's probably why I'm sharing. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it was him, but if not, it's another case in point. But that's, the, that's asceticism. It's going, I'm going to go to a radical extreme. I'm not going to eat any of this type of food. I'm only going to do this on a certain day. I am going to, they had a moon festival, so I'm going to look at the moon. And it's doing a radical thing to try and make yourself closer to Jesus. But doing things, I've said before, are not what brings us closer to Christ. It's receiving more of Him. Is making church a priority on Sunday a great thing to do? Yes, 100%. But if you miss one, is there suddenly a mark and a check mark? No, there isn't. We don't live in a legalistic way. So it aims to get closer to God. And this was a teaching that was creeping in. Extreme measures, the way you cut your hair, diet, not speaking to people for weeks on end. 
religiously driven rather than led by God. So today we might have slight variations, but the principles are the same. If tradition and what we do takes priority over building our lives on Christ, we're not building a healthy life. The bacteria will spread. Then the last one, mystical experiences and worship of angels. It shared it there. I shared it earlier in the demonic, but friends, don't pursue what's not of Christ. The Lord is the only one to be worshipped. The angels worship God. We don't worship the angels. Are they here and alive and active? Yes, 100%. I believe that uh, both my wife, they reckon, um, uh, she reckons on the side of the road one time in Joburg, they met um, an angel, couldn't get his contact details afterwards, but, but their car had broken down. I had an experience in the middle of uh, dangerous downtown Joburg uh, as, a, as a young person with someone who came to me at a petrol station. I had no cell phone and uh, they said, listen, uh, you need to get out of here, otherwise you're not going to survive. Um, and they said, so follow me, um, get, in, you know, get in the car, follow me, drove me for about 15, 20 minutes. I was miles off course um, and, and pointed the way to where I was supposed to go. Could have been a random person, but the Bible says we entertain angels without noticing it. They could be normal people. Um, and so angels are, are, are great. They're an amazing tool that God uses to advance his kingdom, but we don't speak to them. We don't um, have a relationship with them like we have with Jesus. So we don't worship angels. We worship Jesus. We don't go after mystical experiences. So those are the, the dangerous teaching to be aware of. Last one as we close, 10 o'clock. Nothing can disqualify you and I from Jesus. Verse 11, 2 verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Old Testament days, the Jewish people were circumcised to look different externally to, rest, to the rest of the world. What's Paul saying now? He's saying because Jesus has come, the way that you and I look different is because our hearts have been changed. There's a transformation of our spirits that have been changed. And so that's what's important when we follow Jesus. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. A quick word on baptism before we pray. It's a powerful symbol of what Christ does in your life and mine. Jesus was baptized before he started his earthly ministry. Did he have to? No, he was God in the flesh. Why did he get baptized? He wanted to demonstrate to you and I the significance of being baptized. We might think it's just getting dunked in the water, we die to our old way of life, we get raised to Christ. No, Jesus did it at the start of his earthly ministry. If you feel like you're not living the life God's called you to, maybe you feel a bit held back in your faith, maybe you feel like you're lacking courage in life. If you've never been baptized, Jesus says, get baptized. When he speaks about the Great Commission, about how the church should advance, he says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, comma, baptizing them. And so it's, if you're a Christ follower here today, you're missing out something that you could be having if you haven't been baptized. I don't mind your age. Come see me afterwards in the next few minutes. We'll talk more about it. I'll give you a document to read. Let's get you dunked in two weeks' time. And God will do something astounding in your life. If you want to find out more about baptism, come and chat afterwards. But it's something not to be missed. There's always something that holds us back. Do I really need to? Should I really? To be honest, that's pretty much the enemy who's wanting to prevent you from living sold out for Jesus. And so the way you do it is you actually, Jesus, you've asked me to get baptized. It's something powerful. It'll unlock lots in my ministry. I'm going for it. Sign up and we'll, we'll make it happen. He canceled the record. You who were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. He forgives us our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame. 
record of debt. When people in those times owed things and owed money, it would be written out and sometimes nailed to their door so other people wouldn't do business with them, wouldn't deal with them because there was debt that was owed. And Jesus said, all that sin, that, that thing that separates you from God, I'm nailing it to the cross because I've paid the price for you. There's no record of debt. When God looks at your life, if you accepted me, it's all paid. Ticked, 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 paid. So if you're here and you're exploring faith today, there's a record of debt that stands between you and God because of sin in your life. But all that you have to do is say, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. You paid the price. And in a moment, that debt is gone. You have life in Christ now and for all eternity. He defeated what Satan wanted to do. And he was raised to life. And so never feel that you're not good enough for Christ. Don't feel that because of your past or the way that you're living right now, you're not good enough and you haven't done enough. Jesus did enough on the cross, but you have to accept what he did for you. And as you accept it, you allow him to change you from the inside out. Gives you a new self. He gives you a new destiny for all eternity. He gives you new passions and new desires and a new life to lead. It changes everything. But you receive. And then the rest changes so let's stand we'll pray then we will head out from here yeah let's just uh you don't have to close your eyes but if it if it helps you to concentrate if it helps you to acknowledge that god might be speaking to you today if it helps you to to just open your heart to the fact that there might be a God who you've never considered or maybe you've known God for a long time but maybe you need to open your heart to Him. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never bowed the knee, if you've lived, lived, if you've lived for yourself all these years and you've realized today actually one day when I stand before God and God says hey why should I let you in why should I have a relationship with you for all eternity you would stand and say oh because I've lived a pretty good life I you know I haven't done terrible things I've been an upright citizen God will say but but my pass mark is a hundred percent and so no matter how hard you tried to be a good person it's not enough when compared to me and what makes it enough He's not trying harder. We're all gonna keep sinning. It's about receiving the perfect sacrifice of God's son paid for you on the cross. He died, he rose again as a perfect sacrifice so you can experience life now and for all eternity. And if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never said, Lord, would you change me? Would you forgive me for my sin? No one's looking around, but I'd love you to raise your hand and say, I've never done this before. Maybe your heart will be racing. Maybe you feel like your heart's in your, I don't know, maybe you feel shaky. Maybe you feel um, a bit wobbly at the knees. It's a, it's a scary thing to admit. It's a humbling thing to admit. But if you've never done that and you, you want him to change you now for all eternity, you want to become a son and a daughter of the living king, I'd love you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. It's just so that I can see and I can maybe identify and we can chat afterwards. It's a, it's a sign of boldness for you. It's a few hands that have gone up. That's so exciting. Just keep them up for a little bit. I want to give a little bit, a few more moments. So the decision you're making now is the most special decision you can ever make. It's the most exciting decision you can ever make. Anyone else? There's a few hands that have popped up. That's so exciting. So, so exciting. Thank you for being so brave. 
Brilliant, you can put your hands down now. I'm, I, I'm just thrilled. I want to pray for you quickly, Lord Jesus, for, for these few people who've raised their hands, who've said, I want you in my life, Jesus. Would you change me? I'm just thrilled. It says, angels rejoice when one person says, I want God. I want you, Jesus. There's celebration. And we'll, we'll celebrate. Even though everyone doesn't know, we'll celebrate just now. We'll clap. You can just say uh, after me on the quietness of your, of your spirit or whichever else. You can just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the price for my sin. Would you forgive me of the things I've done wrong? Would you come in? Would you change me? Would you make me new? Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you've spoken to me. Thank you that um, me knowing you and being a son and daughter of the king doesn't rest on what I do. It rests on what you've done. And in this journey, as I take a step out this building today, Father, would you help me to grow and develop and become more and more like you? I'd love to chat to you guys afterwards if you're brave enough, but we'll celebrate just now. The last group, Lord Jesus, for each of us here standing. Father, if there's any element of unhealthy things we've allowed to creep into us, unhealthy thinking, unhealthy messages and preaching, unhealthy interpretation of scripture, unhealthy belief sets, if we haven't been building on the foundation of you, would you show us that right now, Holy Spirit? We wanna, we wanna make sure that we're founded on the rock that is you that your word is foundation our life, that we interpret it properly, that we live sold out, that we don't let culture and news stations and wise arguments move us away from living sold out for you and your cause. I pray you'd raise us up as Hope Church to be a church that stands on you, on the rock and you alone. We'd build our lives on you, the great king. And as a result, we would be firm. Our roots would go deep. We would provide fruit that encourages and blesses many other people. People would look in and say, I want that because that's real and that's powerful. So I pray you'd help us, show us that in the week ahead. Your name we pray, amen. For these people, I'm not gonna sing a lot. Can we just quickly celebrate? Two or three people, um, we can just clap and celebrate. So exciting. Thank you, Lord. So awesome.